0: Welcome to episode number 11 of the Four Animals, For Earth podcast. Today I'm talking with Julie from New York City. The simple action that we can all take after today's episode is to seek out local and seasonal food. So why does that provide value? Well, if we look for local food, we're likely to support small businesses. We're also likely to find food that tastes better and is actually better for our bodies. And we can probably learn the story behind the food, like where it came from and who made it. For today's show notes and Julie's contact information, go to 4 animals 4 slash podcast slash 11. Hi there, this is Brandy and you're listening to the Four Animals, for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started.
1: Every product that I sell has a story and that's part of my job is to a- Pass that story along to the people that are purchasing it.
0: That was Julie Rosenberg from Julie's Beat. Julie's Beat is a marketplace that showcases culinary gems from around the world. I've known Julie since we were friends in college 20 years ago, and I've watched her business grow over these past five years. I asked Julie to be on the show because she has such a passion for artisan-made foods and for sharing the stories behind the foods that she sells. She has really inspired me to choose food more consciously and to really appreciate what I am eating. So I think that you will enjoy listening to her story, and I highly recommend checking out her website at juliesbeat.com, not only for the food that she sells, but for the awesome, unique recipes that she shares. Here we go. I did the math earlier this week, and we've known each other for like basically 20 years. I know. Isn't that insane? I know. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I, I thought, how could it be 20 years? It's been 20 years. And you've been doing um, something within the food industry for almost all of that time, right? Right. Yeah. Did you? Uh-huh. When did you get started? And I actually,
1: when we were at Purdue, I started taking some hospitality classes and working, I worked at the student union, baking like muffins from mixes and rolling out cinnamon rolls, I remember. Anyway, in like the basement of this place. Um, and yeah, I mean, pretty much, I guess my, and I, so anyway, I was thinking about it. I I started like a couple of years into college, really started looking at the food industry from different angles. I worked um, my summer internship for a small food distributor in St. Louis, which is where I'm from. Um, my stepsister happened to be like best friends with the girl, the woman, and so I learned that side of the business, and um, then a little bit in college, and then when I went to culinary schools, when I really like one hundred percent was committed to uh, to seeing what was out there.
0: So. Did you, had culinary school passed your mind when we were in college or, you know, when you did these different jobs, had it crossed yeah. your mind like, oh, I might want to go to culinary school at that point? Or was it really after you graduated? I, I must have been like, so-
1: maybe junior year, I was talking to someone, I always thought I would go get a master's in something. My degree from Purdue is in math and business. So I always knew I wanted to start my own business. So I felt like I would go get my MBA or something like that. And then I was talking to someone and they were like, you know, you don't have to get your graduate degree in whatever you did for undergrad, which like, put this whole idea in my head that like, Oh, if I study, you know, I've already studied business, do I need to study? more business necessarily. And what kind of business would I want to have? And so that's when I started looking at culinary schools. So when I was graduating from Purdue, I was interviewing for jobs and also looking at culinary school just to kind of see what would be the better option for me.
0: Got it. Okay. That's interesting. So then where did you go to culinary school at? So I went to um, a
1: school called Johnson and Wales, which they have a campus, their main campus is in Providence, Rhode Island, but I actually went to school in Denver, Colorado. They had a program for, specifically for people that already had a bachelor's degree. So it was, I think, 18 months through, you know, straight through, Um, but but it was also, I liked the fact that it was all people, like, I wouldn't be going to school with like an 18-year-old. Granted, I was only 22 at the time, but I liked that there was like a maturity level to it. And then so I actually ended up getting um, an associate's degree. I kind of went backwards, but so I have an associate's degree in culinary arts. So the people in the class, there were quite a few like me who had just finished undergrad and wanted to learn that side of it. And then there were a few sort of like career changers who at our age now were going back to school to decide to do something different. So Anyway, so that was in Colorado, and it's a lot of fun in Colorado. It's probably maybe like California. People <laughs> we'll like, are there for the mountains and to play. Um, but at some point, I realized I really wanted to, like, in my mind, learn from the best, so that's when I moved to New York
0: okay. City. And, okay. Okay. And when you went to New York City, did you already have a job when you you headed, or you said, I think New York City has the best. I'm going to go there and find them. Yeah. It was
1: in the middle. I was totally um, naive, I think is maybe the right word, to like (laughs) how the system worked here, how the industry was, because I was expecting, you know, to get, uh, the industry has changed a lot, but like the pay rate and how people pay you and, you know, it's just like, was so far from what I was used to in Colorado, getting like an hourly rate for the hours that you worked. It was like more like a salary type position where you okay. were like paid like by the day okay. yeah and if you worked I mean you either you didn't work five hours you were yeah. working you know 10 or 12 okay. or that kind of hours okay. Um, okay but I actually had the luxury I lived with actually I lived with Barry and Tobo for like three months when I first moved oh, to New York nice. so I had the luxury of not paying rent for a few months while I found a job and then I think it was about three months, eventually moved into the city and you know started from there. so
0: okay that you yeah. know, that makes a lot of sense. I um. You know, I often wonder, and especially I think any, I, I, I'm i thinking young people, but it's not just young people. It's anyone who's kind of trying to make a big change. And, and you think of a place like New York City or any city, you know, that idea of, of finding someone that you might be able to stay with for a few months is super smart to to be yeah. able to kind of ease into it without having... Huge bills, like right off right. the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. It's it's making me think of. It's bringing up this memory of mine that that for some reason I associate with you too. But when I I had moved to London, way, like maybe when I was like twenty one, and I went with a thousand dollars in my bank account, and on day three, my bank account was empty, and I was like, <laughs> it was just it was a mess. It was a mess. But um, I was thinking that. For some reason, I have this vague memory of you and London in Covent Garden, and I was trying to remember where, if you and I were together there at the same time. But I don't physically remember seeing you. But you spent some time in London at some point, right? Right. We. I did. um, Right before. Well, let's see. It was
1: right when I was getting married. So it was like 2011. My husband's job transferred him to London. So we moved there like the month after we got married. And so we're there for almost two years. So yeah, so I did spend time in London, but I don't think we were there together.
0: No. So that's interesting. It is. We must have just exchanged emails and you must have talked about, it's funny, maybe you talked about hanging out in Covent Garden or something and I was able to picture it and somehow that came in my memory. I don't know. I don't know. When, When I first
1: moved there, I worked at this, it was like a restaurant, cafe. Anyway, I looking back, it was the worst. But at the time, you know, I was in a new place and it seemed like a great company and whatever. But that was it was right off of the garden. So maybe that's uh, where it okay. all came in.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's probably just yeah. my memory is me imagining you there. <laughs> living this Unless you like traveled there later. I don't no. know. I don't know. It's weird. It's yeah. weird. It's it's probably just my imagination of you, you yeah. know, living this, like you said. Um at the time seems like this amazing life in another country yeah. working at a restaurant, you know, it's like yeah. a little cafe off the streets. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long were you working in New York city? Um, so you worked in different restaurants in different kitchens, right? Um, yeah. and I say different where, did you, did you move around to a few different places or were you in the same place most of the time? I, I,
1: I had like three big restaurant jobs in New York. So like three main ones. So I started working for Danielle Belug in and um, it's called DB Bistro. So it was like a casual bistro. And that was my first job when I moved here, knowing nothing. Um, but he has a lot of different restaurants. So working for him, that was the place that I mostly worked But I kind of got to see other things that were going on. Um, from there, I moved to a place called The Madison Park, which is fine dining. So it's like a completely, I don't want to say completely different, but a much different pace. And I learned that fine dining is not my favorite thing to do, but <laughs> you know, you, you learn. learn yeah. 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 It was all a learning experience. Um, so after that experience, I wanted to take a break from the kitchen. So those are my only two jobs in the kitchen. And then I worked at Bouchon Bakery. Um, managing everything but the kitchen I like to say so the retail staff and we had a cafe and just like ordering and all of that so I was learning the other, the business side of things because in the end I knew that I wanted to start something of my own so mm. I was trying to get as much experience as mm. I could on all sides of the business
0: yeah that it's super smart and i think it's it's neat to hear you know you started in your undergrad with business and then you did the culinary school and then you did the different culinary jobs knowing that you always wanted to marry the two of them together and so then you started your own business when when did you start julie's beat julie's beat officially
1: started like when i launched the website in 2015. so i left my job in like Beginning of 2011, thinking of starting my business then. But then, as I said before, my husband got moved to London. So I kind of put everything on hold because I decided that I couldn't just, like, pick up my business plan from New York and, like, plop it down in mm. London. Mm-hmm. Which London and New York are a lot the same, but they're also a lot different. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. so that was a good plan. Okay. Okay. In retrospect. Um, and working there, I actually worked at uh, Chocolate company. I worked for a chocolate company called Rococo Chocolates. And so I learned about chocolate, which is something I'd never done pastry because I felt like it was so technical and like mm-hmm. you had to really measure everything. Whereas when you're cooking more savory food, you, you know, you put a little bit of this and a little bit of that and like hopefully okay. it tastes good. Um, but when mm-hmm. you're baking, it's like really precise and chocolate is like even more so. So mm-hmm. I learned how to do that and I learned there I realized how important online business is. Um, the company there's the um, woman that founded it she was like 25 when she started it and had this like dream of chocolate you know and so made this chocolate shop and as the company grew you know learning about what was new and different so there I realized how important it would be to have um, an online Presence, so to speak, which is so important now that, like, I hadn't really thought about, you know, just even like eighteen months prior. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I moved back to New York. I started putting the gears in motion to start Julie Beat. I moved back to New York six months pregnant, so I had my my first son uh, of all, of them. <laughs> first son first of four. Of four. <laughs> um, and once you, you know, and then once I felt like I had a hand on that, I really started working, spending more time on the business. So he was about a year old when I officially launched.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. And Julie's B is your first business, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so you had put together the business plan. So I think you just said six months prior to coming back from London, you kind of started to think about this is like how I'm going to do this. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. In retrospect,
1: I had so much free time that I didn't realize I had not having a family at that point in time that I was like, why didn't I do so much more (laughs) to get myself ready? But you know, it's all, uh, relative. Right. So
0: yeah. 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 No, it's true. And it's interesting to have discovered the, uh, importance of online business all the way back in 2011, 2012, you know, um, I mean, obviously right now, it's it's a little bit, everyone has realized the importance of it, but you, it seems like, were you a little bit ahead of the curve on recognizing that? Or do you feel like within the food industry online was growing at that point?
1: I've, I like to. I like to think I was slightly ahead of the curve also with like getting into food. When I went to culinary school, it wasn't like it is now. I don't think, I mean, now it's like, even with social media, I think, you know, Instagram and people are taking pictures of foods and restaurants and all of this that didn't exist, you know, 20 years ago when we graduated from college. And so I Mm -hmm. think it's totally changed, you know, the food network was around, but now there's like multiple food channels. So just like, I like to think I was a little ahead of the curve on all of those things. So, Uh um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think Julie's beat is definitely something that exists in other forms. So it wasn't a completely, you know, it's like people are selling food online, but just in a different, I guess, a different manner or mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Or like a, maybe a lot of brands are kind of selling their own food. But I think what's so right. neat about Julie's beat is that you, you pick and choose very, very, it's, it's clear that you have tight criteria around how you handpick various artisans that you carry within your shop. And, you know, you mentioned Rococo, Rococo, I'm probably saying it wrong, yeah. but Rococo chocolates. So you actually worked for them in London and I know that they are, yeah. um, I personally <laughs> buy yes. the chocolate from you and love it. Um, so Rococo I know is, is one of the small brands that you carry, but what's cool about Julie's Beat is that you're actually curating different tiny brands that I feel like at least me, I would have never known about without purchasing right. them through you. Yeah.
1: I mean the whole idea or kind of the nature, even the tagline, um, is like culinary gems from around the world. So we are looking for that special thing that you're not going to find everywhere. Um, you know, like the chocolate, for example, is avail- is widely available in London and throughout England, but isn't widely available in the U.S. And um, so, and it was actually really important to me when I left there, when I came back to New York, knowing that what I was doing. I said, you know, I'm not exactly sure how a cocoa chocolate would be a part of what I'm doing, but I really wanted to be a part of it because they had sort of dipped their toes in the U.S. market, but it's hard and. And again, like going back to the difference between the U.S. and the U.K., it's, you know, more than what you can see or, you know, it seems like we all speak English and it should be very similar, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so it was nice to have the trust of the owners and then bring that here and like be able to share it with a much broader population. So and, and um, actually the first I think I started with four brands and they were all either someone that I knew or it was like a friend of a friend that I had like a very personal connection to because I wanted it to be something, you know, what makes my business u- unique is me. So, mm. and, and so I'm trying to put that into play in everything that I'm selecting.
0: Mm. Yeah, I so. agree. I, I agree. And it, it seems to me like what makes your business unique is you and the people that you carry, you know, it's yeah. um, uh, those first four. Do you remember who they were? I'm interested to hear yeah. who your first four were.
1: So Rococo Chocolates. And then I have a good friend. His name's Leor Lior, loves her cars. So he makes spice blends. So it's called the Bois Spices. Um, and then I have Gus and Gray Jam. She's out of Detroit, but she also used to work for Danielle Balloude many years ago in New York. And so that's how I was connected with her. And then um, it's called Five Olive Oil. And so that was like a friend of, Mine is Greek, and this was his friend in Greece who was starting this new olive oil brand. And so that's how I got that one. So those were the first four. And I still carry all of them. I've learned through the years when you only have four brands, I carried a wide range of each of those brands. But as I've added more artisans, I've streamlined what I offer from each one. So I really have like the best of the best of what they're making. And so they're. Still, very much a part of what I'm doing, but just, you know, might look like it's smaller, but it's more just, again, like curating and selecting what the right product is. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And I love how it all started, (laughs) I guess, so simply, you know, it it wasn't simple. I mean, you put together like a business plan and you had a really clear plan, but I love that you were able to start with you know, people you knew and, and begin to like tiptoe into this and then allow it to grow over time into bringing in all of the other artisans. It's, it, it, I feel like it's inspiring for Mm -hmm. someone who may just be sitting on an idea, any idea, you know, it's like leveraging, um, the people around you that, you know, is really a nice way to kind of tiptoe into something I think so it seems like you were able to do that which is pretty awesome thank you um yeah I mean it's it's I
1: think it helped knowing like that I was selling like some of the brands were already pretty established but just in different areas but so knowing that that person trusted me with their product helped push that Mm. along if that makes mm-hmm. sense
0: yeah because so. you were able to provide them value too it was like a yeah. a, a win-win for both sides right right yeah yeah, exactly. yeah so you've grown now to carry a bunch of different artisans how do you right. decide if someone is going to make it into the julie's Beat mm-hmm. store or not well
1: it's a lot of tasting um i'm kind of on the lookout especially when i travel um I think we're like a, a little New York heavy, which makes sense in that I live in New York City, and there are a lot of creative people here making a lot of wonderful things. Um, but you know, if I'm going to a farmers market in California, or especially like when I go home to Indiana, I like to look mm-hmm. around there to find something that's like small and unique. Um, every year, there's a twice a year. It's called the Fancy Food Show, so it's like all gourmet food products from around the world really, um, come to, for like a huge convention. And it's interesting to go around and like thousands of vendors and some from everything from, I mean, some of them are so big that I'm like, how, like ketchup, how is, you know, I don't know if it's Heinz, but like Uh somebody that big, you're like, how is that gourmet? So I don't know exactly how the rules are made, but, um, in the past few years, they have what they call like well, they have like a incubator alley, so like people that are working okay. in like shared kitchens and that sort of thing. So it's like small, small that they don't even have their own production and like new sh- new items. So I really have, before I go to the show now, really like kind of scour the catalog and figure out who the new-ish brands are. And that's kind of my target audience. So I'm going in a lot of time, you know, people want to tell you how they're in Whole Foods. Everybody wants to be in Whole Foods, but I don't necessarily want the product that's in Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. I want something that mm-hmm. is actually not in Whole Foods. I know that like mm-hmm. Whole Foods is definitely a benchmark for a lot of people because they are very particular about what they choose. But once you're in Whole Foods, then you become more of a mass market. And I think it loses some of the personal appeal, Just mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm you were talking before about telling a story and and that is sort of how I feel. Every product that I sell has a story and that's part of my job is to pass that story along to the people that are purchasing it. Now online business does provide its challenges because I have had some products that, you know, if I'm doing in New York, I, um, I had a small retail space, which is closed now, but I would have open houses and people could come in and taste and, some of the products, definitely like all the beautiful sauces that people are making. It's a little bit hard to sell those online because you can't taste the, you can't really taste it. But when someone would come in and we open it and they would taste it, that, you know, that sort of thing would really sell. So it's finding a balance of like beautiful products, but also something that, um, will sell. Mm-hmm. So I've had some misses, I, you know, I've had some hits and It's just, you know, and, and it is hard being a small business owner and working with small businesses and artisans who I know love the products that they're creating, Mm -hmm. but sometimes, but it's also a business. So, you know, at some point you have to kind of move Mm -hmm. on from the ones that don't ring true. I tried these Mm -hmm. almonds at this food show, ranch salad almonds. So it was Mm -hmm. like almonds with ranch seasoning on them, Uh which I thought were like, the most amazing thing. What's well, better than like ranch salad dressing and then you have like an <laughs> almond and like stable snack. But I don't think I sold one bag of them. So I was like, okay, like mm. I loved it, but mm-hmm. it just isn't for... My audience, yeah, so, yeah. So there's some of that going on too. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's a hard balance, and I'm I'm sure it's excited to exciting to go find the new ones, um, right. but then also like such a hard balance to make sure that it's a constant mix that it is something people will purchase. You know, because they right. they need to purchase it for you to stay in business and continue mm-hmm. to um, highlight artisans. Right, it's kind of like right. to keep the the wheel moving, (laughs) you Mm kind of have to do that. You know, I, um, I I think that is, to me, one of the things that makes your business unique is the stories behind all of the foods. I know we'll purchase gift boxes, you know, for friends. Like say we stay at somebody's house and we want to send a thank okay. you or someone's having a baby or, you know, whatever. It's It's right. fun to – I feel like you kind of put together like the perfect gift box for people. And then I buy one for myself every year at the end of the yeah. year because <laughs> – well why not Kinda. but um it's uh i find personally that every single time we eat something from one of your boxes it we stop we take the time to really appreciate it we read the story the food just feels special you know it's almost like yeah. it turns into this kind of <laughs> I don't know, ritual slash special experience to eat the food. And I, I think that there's something to be said for that moment where you're consciously knowing what you're eating and appreciating it for everywhere it's been and, and who it came from, you know? And right. I, to me, that's also something unique that Julie's Beat offers is that experience for people when when they do order your stuff. Mm-hmm. um I I give a lot of gifts from my own site
1: which you can imagine um but a uh like family friend from school hosted an event for I'm the class parent for my son's class and so I dropped off a package and anyway so she, you know thank you so much and I had given her our tomato sauce and she was like I'm a red sauce person so I can't wait to try it but anyway she you know texted me that and I like it's so good like how you know Being a chef or being trained in the culinary field, it is hard to find a packaged product that tastes fresh and delicious Mm -hmm. as something that you Mm -hmm. um, make at home Mm -hmm. and so I think that is part of like what I'm looking to provide also. I have the hardest time finding um, cookies to sell because nothing tastes as good as mm. fresh out of the oven or like from the fresh bakery. So I uh-huh. struggle with that mm-hmm. part of my website. Um, but one of the things that I do love to do, like I mentioned, I dropped off this gift set for this parent or whatever uh, is everything's available individually. So like you get the gift box and you love the tomato sauce and maybe you didn't care for the olives that were in it or whatever it is, but you can come back and just get that sauce mm. because mm-hmm. a lot of gifts, boxes or gift sets that people are sending out. It's just the set. And then you're kind of stuck trying to figure Mm -hmm. out where you're going to find that Mm -hmm. product that you really, really loved, but like can only get as a set of. Mm.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. I've never actually thought about it until you said that, but for sure, usually when you get some sort of gift box, it's kind of like, oh, this is amazing. But yeah, that was that was it. <laughs> it's yeah. like never get over have it it's again.
1: Experience <laughs> yeah. is over.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's that's cool. And I gotta imagine there's like a, a light up of contests to be the uh to have you be the room mom oh. or to have you be a part of <laughs> <laughs> these organizations. I'm like that's a pretty cool bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fun to bring some food. Our school has a <laughs>
1: policy against um, giving gifts to teachers, and so one of my anyway, you know, with four kids, we've been there for a little while. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, one of my son's teachers was like, "You always bring chocolate to like, you know, they have class. They have some classes for like." Toddlers like before okay. school, like pre uh-huh. preschool classes. Okay. So I always bring like chocolate to those teachers because I feel like it's not really their teacher and it's uh-huh. school And so anyway, one of the teachers was like, "I don't really consider food a gift." So like, if you wanted to bring <laughs> so <some."> any
0: time,
1: so, <laughs> so I dropped true. a box of or uh, a set of chocolate off on her desk one day, and I was like, "I'm not sure how i got there." But
0: if you guys want to enjoy it, you can have That's it. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's super Everybody cool. really likes chocolate. <laughs> it's true. So. Um, I know that you take a lot of time to cook meals yeah. and and feed your family kind of nourishing food. You know, every week I I know that because I see you post pictures on Instagram and talk about like all these amazing things that you're making all the time. And um, I know part of it is obviously being a chef, having the the background, you know, within culinary arts. But also, you know, you mentioned you have four boys, and right, yeah. you know you have this business, and you're a wife. You know, you have a lot of different hats that you wear, and. Uh, it's pretty amazing that you have time to to cook, cook meals throughout the week. And so I wondered if you'd talk a little bit about um how you do that and maybe why you've continued to make it a priority in your life.
1: Yeah, um, so I can say, well, yeah, I obviously love to cook because that is what you know, and and in working in restaurants and things like for me, it was always about providing something that pe- people people. You know, there's a you have a lot of memories around the food that you eat, or when you're celebrating if it's a special meal and whatever. And um, that's sort of how I got into the business. So cooking for my own family seems like an obvious choice. But when I was working in restaurants, like if I was always cooking savory food, I never really wanted to cook that at home because I'm cooking it all day long. So I would bake a lot. Now I'm not cooking all day long, so I feel like when I get home. I want to cook. I don't know. I guess maybe that's like my outlet, like to do something that I know that I love. Um, I definitely don't have the time that I used to have. We don't eat as the gourmet. I mean, the meals are nice and I'm using Mm -hmm. fresh food and fresh ingredients. I cook all the time with products from the website. We have recipes on there. So I'm always sort of recipe testing and providing Mm -hmm. new ways to use the things that we have. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of um, preparing ahead. So And I like to say it comes from the days when I first started working in restaurant kitchens. When you leave for the night, for example, like I would work a lunch at a restaurant and then somebody else comes, you know, then there's a dinner, you know, people come and eat dinner. So you're not quite sure what, you never know what people are going to order and what they're going to use, like Mm. the person that's working at night. And so I always try to have as much ready sort of the night before that I can. And I kind of do the same thing when I'm cooking for my family. So if I can make something, the night before, like a braised meat dish Mm -hmm. that just has to be heated in the oven the next Mm -hmm. night, then Mm -hmm. it works really well for my family because I can just throw it in the oven. My husband and I usually eat after the kids. So they'll have like the meal the next day or whatever. So I can put it in the oven while I'm putting the kids to bed and then we can eat it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm reheating leftover, so to speak. Um, I think I said you know, I used to see how people, when they like got their groceries, they'd come home and they'd like wash all the greens and chop up all the vegetables. And I was like, it doesn't take so long to chop up vegetables, but now (laughs) I find myself doing that. And I don't know if it's just in New York city, but there's this whole business that people have built like personal chefs around like Mm -hmm. sort of like a meal prep where they come into your house and they like prep all your meals for the week. Mm -hmm. So I find I'm doing my own sort of meal prep of like, menu planning and cutting things up so that if I'm sauteing the vegetables, they're already ready mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can make them. We do, um, my husband works late during the week, so he's not home for dinner when the kids are eating, but on Sundays we all sit down together. Okay. So, which is tricky because I do have some picky eaters and some non-so-picky <laughs> eaters. So it's like trying to find a meal that, will make everyone happy so anyway last week actually i made hot dogs and like i made my husband and i like a kielbasa sausage and coleslaw and like french fries and that was like one of the most successful meals we've had in a long time Like everybody <laughs> awesome. sat down and they ate it's not like super gourmet but mm-hmm. it was like a home-cooked meal that we could all like appreciate mm-hmm. together and kind of came together quickly you know or two yeah. So yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, that's, that's the hardest thing that I find for me is, is getting my son to eat. You know, it's uh, my daughter, she'll eat most things that I make and she'll kind of say, can I just eat one, one like serving Mm -hmm. of it? And then can I have, you know, something else? But my son, oh my gosh, hands down every single night, he walks in and he looks and he goes, bleh, like every single time. (laughs) And I'm just like, and so um, I do worry about him, honestly, because I just don't feel mm-hmm. that he's eating like a good, um, getting the nutrition he needs. Mm-hmm. But at the same yeah. time, um, the rest of us, you know, have to get the nutrition that we need. So it's 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 I I definitely understand what you're saying, and I I have two. Yeah. I can't imagine four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like double I the th- difficulty. I mean- <laughs> the one child, my one son is
1: particularly challenging, but I have a policy that I will not cook something different for him. But if he wants to eat like leftover pasta from there, I'll warm it up for him, but I'm not going to like okay. cook a fresh batch of pasta mm-hmm. or like he likes hard boiled eggs. So I always have like those around. So I have something that I know that he'll like, but I have stopped like preparing mm. an entirely different meal. Yeah. Because it's just too much.
0: It is. It is. And it's exhausting. (laughs) Like there's been times that, you know, he walks in and you've been cooking for the past like hour, hour and a half. And he's like, blah. And you're just like, go to your room. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But it's like, I I do. I'm like, I'm not making you anything. You can either eat this or not eat. But that, that's backfiring because he's like not yeah. eat <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, or grab some goldfish crackers from the pantry <laughs> right well you know that's what he wants like okay yeah. I'll just have chips I'm like no you won't <laughs> but yeah it's it's so true it's so true um, well my
1: kids do come to work with me sometimes so they have a have an appreciation mm. for fine chocolate because they know which bar <laughs> they want to go grab I like to joke that I pay my child labor with chocolate so they go and they find that special one so at least I can know that the chocolate that they're eating is not totally you know just filled with
0: yeah you know
1: junk it's like real chocolate and real you know sugar and butter and all those things right anyway yeah
0: well and that's that's awesome I mean have you found at all that they have any more appreciation even for the other kinds of food that you sell just because of seeing it there you know They do, like, I have this, um, yeah, I think when they see it on the shelf, and then sometimes
1: we bring it home, we have this pasta, she's actually from LA, Um, it's called Semolina Artisanal Pasta, Um, okay, it's like, she's in Pasadena, so I don't know how near, not far from you, not far from me at all, yeah, Um, and I found her at a fancy food show when she was, like, first starting, and her thing was, her kids, she wanted to make organic, I think, pasta for her children and she couldn't find it anywhere so she started this pasta company and I actually didn't think that they would like it because it's like you know it's not the Mm -hmm. front of the mill stuff but it's actually one of their favorites my husband commented the other night like how well they say stroza pretty pasta because it's like a you know it's very specific Mm -hmm. shape and but anyway they they love it so I think part of seeing it with me
0: allows Mm -hmm. them to
1: like have a you know more of an appreciation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That is definitely anything, anything that will help them eat something and appreciate their food (laughs) is, is good. Um, I, I'd like to wrap up the conversations with one simple idea and that's, it's my thought around that is that I think, living consciously sometimes can um, feel pretty overwhelming if you're trying to do everything right and you're trying to do everything perfect. And, you know, when it comes to food, my goodness, it can definitely, you know, be overwhelming. But I wonder um, what you would share to the people who are listening as one simple idea to, you know, bridge into either cooking or eating. More consciously, taking the time for it um, and just making it a part of their life to be more conscious about what they cook and what they eat. Um, for me, I think it's all
1: about keeping it local and small, if you will. So, um, you know, when you're tra- when you're traveling, especially, and for myself too, I like to seek out. Kind of off the beaten path, so to speak. So, like instead of going to Starbucks, I would go to sort of I don't the you know more artisan coffee shop and Mm -hmm. and kind of looking to in that direction. um, Even at the grocery, the supermarket or whatever, finding you know the products that are in season. Kind of again, like kind of keeping it local. It's going to have a better flavor. You don't necessarily have to do so much to it to make it taste good um, and just having a few kind of key ingredients at home like if you have a really good olive oil and a salt and maybe a spice blend whatever piece of meat or vegetable that you pick up from your grocery store automatically is elevated without you really doing a lot to it so you just add a you know a splash of this and a sprinkle of that and you've taken even just for example like an avocado and maybe I've like spoiled myself but you, know, you can eat an avocado and it tastes delicious but if you sprinkle it with like some you know salt mm. and a little drizzle of really delicious olive oil like all of a sudden you've taken something and made it special and mm. tomatoes in the summer like don't even get me started because they're like <laughs> they, but only in the summer right so you can so it's like I guess that kind of goes with the eating local and like keeping it to what is available to you in that time and area so that you can mm. find what's really great. And, yeah, and like, and with your family, you know, taking them, if I walk through the, there's a farmer's market um, in our neighborhood and I always say anything that you want to try, I will get for you, especially mm. for my picky son, because if he wants to pick up an apple, like that is amazing, you know, and try it or whatever. My one son always wants to get peppers. But I don't, and he'll like take a bite and move on, but at least he's like chosen it and mm. picked it out and he tried it and like, we can all, you know, so anyway, so yeah. that would be my advice. And so just, you know, it, while well, it's easier to shop from the big guys and maybe find the more larger established brands when you're mm. out and eating, it's nice to kind of take a step back and slow down and, mm.
0: and I think it becomes
1: more special in that way.
0: Stuff. Yeah, I agree. I know. You know, I think there's it's um there's a lot to be said for when you're grabbing something from the store like consciously choosing that one thing, you know? Um and then it yeah. it comes definitely in the farmers market like you're describing. I love that idea of of letting the kids try what they want to try because I think just that experience of talking to the person running the booth and mm-hmm. just just physically being there, there's a lot to be said for, um, I guess that energy that comes in through your food that you, you might not, it it doesn't happen as much when you just go grab the same thing off the shelf that you always grab and you don't really give much thought to it. You know, yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. And I also love, um, what you said about seasonality, something that I think When we lived in Tokyo, it was just just by culture, so much of the food was season specific. And so you got really excited for when the spring came around and these certain foods came out. And then in the summer, other foods would come out and you couldn't get them any other time of the year. And I remember, you know, saying to, to Sean, my husband saying, you know, this is so neat how excited we're getting over a specific food because it's that season. You get excited for that season to come. You get excited for that food to come and you it's its a limited time. You can't get it. And I feel like we grew at least I grew up that way. We didn't have right. everything we wanted at any given time at our fingertips. Like you said, like tomatoes were a certain season, other vegetables were a certain season, you know? And, um, and I remember like saying to Sean in Tokyo, like, this is so cool. Like we're actually noticing <laughs> yeah. foods again, noticing like seasons, noticing, yeah. you know, and, and part of that is I'm sure when you, would you live someplace where you don't have seasons that also
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <I'm sure>.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, like LA, but I think that um, for sure, there's a lot to be said for relishing products that are fresh in their specific season. Um so yeah. I love all of those ideas you shared and I think that they're things that I can try in my life. So I'm sure others will too. So um what are you most excited about now? Like what product am I most excited about or just, just in general? In general.
1: In general That's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I'm excited about sleep because I have four young children. But when I can't sleep, I do uh, have to eat well. So I mean, I have a sweet tooth. So at the end of the day, I like sweets. Um, Mm. We've been doing like at home cooking projects right now for my son's school. So yesterday we made chocolate chip scones. They weren't so great, but just like the idea that we're getting together and we're baking and then I have something sweet to eat after that. So.
0: Yeah, sweets are
1: my weakness. Um, and being able to make them with my family is great. So yeah. I would say that's what I'm excited about right now. Um, I love
0: that. I love it. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so where is the best spot for people to find you? Online as, as,
1: um, I mean, our website is juliesbeat.com. That's where you can find us and there's links there. Um, all of our products are there. We do gift sets. Um, you can email. We're on social media, uh, but the website's the best place to go if you Perfect. things.
0: Perfect. Okay. And I okay. just want to note for people that it's beet spelled B-E-E-T, like the food. So yes. www.juliesbeet.com. Calm. calm. Right. Yep, yep. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's listening without, you know, pen and paper, <laughs> you've got it. Julie's okay. beat. All right. Well, yeah. thanks so much, Julie, for being on. Um, it's been so much fun to to talk yeah. to you and just hear about um, hear about your adventures and your business and all of the people that you support. I think what you're doing is just um, super awesome. And I think you're you're doing something that's really important in the world right now to be featuring all of these, you know, small artisans and bringing that food to more people. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please consider hitting subscribe, rating or reviewing us, telling a friend, any or all of the above truly make a difference. The more people we can reach, the more people I can find to interview, and the bigger impact we can make together. Keep an eye on your feed. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thanks. Bye.